Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for another episode of the Introduction series. I'm Andrew Musgrove and I'm joined by Alex James who covers Burnley, which means He's had a lot of time to look over at Nick Pope, who, of course, is Newcastle United's new goalkeeper. He'll go head-to-head with Martin Dubravka for that number one spot this season. Alex, just straight off the bat, just give us a bit of an introduction to Nick Pope. What kind of player, what kind of goalkeeper have Newcastle United signed? Um, a very good one. Uh, in terms of keeping the ball out of the net, I don't think there's, there's too many better than Nick Pope. Um, really good guy as well off the field. Very grounded, good person to have around there. The dressing room, um, on the pitch, shot stopping and uh, ability to come for crosses are probably the two main attributes that he's got. Uh, we may well come on to his, his kicking uh, in a minute or two. Uh, that's probably the one area that's, that's held him back so far. Uh, but in short, I think he will be a, a very good acquisition at a very good price, a very good age and certainly capable of being number one for Newcastle next season. Was it always likely or was it inevitable that he would he would leave Burnley even if they maybe had stayed up last season? Uh, maybe not if they'd have stayed up. But it was it was inevitable he was going to go once they got uh, relegated and no one at Burnley, uh, either at the club or supporters, begrudges him that move. Made even more sort of certain by the World Cup being in December this year. If the World Cup had been in the summer and Burnley had gone down, maybe they could have kept hold of him because I don't think he necessarily... Um, is desperate to get out of Burnley. He's just desperate to be in the Premier League and desperate to be trying to keep himself in Gareth Southgate's squad for for the World Cup. If they'd stayed up, I think they might have had a, a reasonable chance of retaining him. Obviously, new manager at Burnley, slight shift in how things have been done at Turf Moor, and potentially that that sort of little project could have been sold to him. Um, but once once sort of relegation was confirmed, him uh, his departure was was yeah was inevitable. A lot of people talked about Ryan Fraser when he came to Newcastle, and I know for those listening, he came on, on a free, so slightly different to, to Nick Pope's arrival. But when players sometimes get the feeling that they're going to leave at the end of the season, their performances can drop off, their attitude, their bad attitude can, can maybe rise to the surface. Was it, what was it like for Nick Pope towards the end of the season? Was he fully committed to the cause of trying to keep oh, Burnley? 100%. 100%. And you only had to watch Burnley in the last sort of six weeks of the season. Obviously, it went down to the wire against Newcastle. We didn't know where they were going to be until sort of 10 minutes before the end of that game, really, when it became apparent Burnley weren't going to weren't going to turn it round and Leeds weren't going to um, slip up at Brentford. So he was desperate to keep um, to keep Burnley in the Premier League, as were most, if not all, of the players at, at Turf Moor. And, and there was a lot who were out of contract. They were all sort of galvanised um, in those last few weeks to to try and keep Burnley in the Premier League. Uh, and, and Nick Pope certainly played his part off the top of my head in that running. I can think of a, a really good save, an important save he made at Aston Villa and another one at Crystal Palace, both of which were, were after Sean Dyche was sacked. So must have been in the last sort of six weeks of the season. And and he kept Burnley in, in plenty of games. And, and without him, they'd, they'd have been relegated a lot sooner. 
that shows a good sign of his character. And was there a, a kind of a, a tinge of sadness, do you think, from Nick Pope that he, he's left Burnley with them in the championship and he's not left Burnley as a Premier League side moving on to, to better things himself? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a very um, very good, sort of good bloke. Um, I think Gareth Southgate spoke very highly of him as, even though he might be third choice and or second choice, he sort of flitted between those two over the last three years since he got into the England setup, really. But Gareth Southgate's always spoken of how well Nick Pope is off the pitch, how much he does sort of behind the scenes, how he pushes goalkeepers on, um, how he works really hard and, and how he's a good play, good person to have around the place. And undoubtedly, he will have wanted um, to leave Burnley on um, on better terms than them being relegated. Um, he sort of said as much in a social media post after... Um, at the end of the season, I think when they went and um, how much of an honour it was. And at the end of the day, Burnley have given him, you know, they gave him a chance. They clocked him from Charlton. He'd just been relegated to League One at the time. Um, albeit injury helped him get in the first team in the first instance. But since then, he's never looked back. Uh, and he owes Burnley a, a great deal and Burnley owe him a great deal. And, and I think both club and player know that. Just sticking with these off-the-field attributes, Newcastle have got a lot of leaders in their squad, Kieran Trippier for one, you know, other people that will stand up and, and lead the club when they need it. Um, how will Nick Pope fit into that? Is he a man that will will get his voice heard amongst amongst some really vocal leaders at Newcastle? I think on the pitch, you will certainly hear him. I think when we were playing behind closed doors, that gave you an insight into really who the biggest talkers were. And goalkeepers often are some of the biggest talkers, and Nick Pope certainly is. He's not... He's not shy of a word or two on the pitch. Off the pitch, I think he's more um, sort of if there's something to be said, he'll say it. Don't see him sort of going in there and dominating the dressing room in terms of, um, you know, like some like some characters might be and perhaps some sort of natural born captains, I guess, might be like that. But with Popey, I think he'll, if uh, if an opinion's needed, he'll give it, particularly within that goalkeeping group as well that obviously they they train separate, they'll have a goalkeeping coach and three, four senior keepers. I think within that group, he will be a leader in there. Within the wider dressing room, I think he will be prepared to step up and lead, but he will be one of those who will will say something if it's needed, but won't sort of force the issue. And he comes into Newcastle with the Magpies already having a very, very good goalkeeper in Martin Dubravka. Now, Nick Pope's not a man uh, who's had it all his own way at Burnley as he's had Tom Heaton at one point battling for that number one spot as well. So he's a man who knows about competition and knows about a good goalkeeper being on his toes. How do you think he'll handle that number one battle at Newcastle? Um, I think he will He will want to go in there and be number one. I, I don't see him taking that move without being assured of at least a, a good chance of him being number one next season because the whole point of him leaving Burnley with the World Cup in mind a little bit and it, I know that's not the sole reason he's gone to Newcastle, far from it, but it's a big part of it is that he wants to make sure he's on that plane to Qatar and sitting on the bench for the first four months of next season isn't going to isn't going to justify his course. Um, so he will be up for the fight, make no mistake about that. I'd be surprised if Eddie Howe hasn't sort of said to him, look, you've got at least at least 50-50 here with, with Martin Dubravka. Whether he said anything privately to, to Popey or not, I don't know, obviously, but from the outside looking in, he strikes me as the as the player who's going to come in and, and be number one. Um, but he, he'll be up for the battle. He's, he's, he's used to it, as you say. When he first came to Burnley, he was behind Tom Heaton for a good 18 months, two years. And then even when 
when Popey took the shirt, he had Joe Hart and Tom Heaton competing with him at one point. Um, he's obviously had lots of competition at England with Jordan Pickford, Ramsdale, Henderson, etc. So he's um, he certainly knows what it what it takes to to compete for uh, for a number one spot. That's good to hear. It's interesting you mentioned there Eddie Howe maybe having a little word. We don't think any assurances have been given, and I think that's a good a good thing because I think having competition will push you to the next level, and that's what you want at any football club. Um, lot of talk about what he will bring to Newcastle. Some pointing out his uh, ability, maybe as a kind of a, a sweeper keeper, but others pointing out that his distribution isn't the best. So just provide a little insight into his attributes on the pitch. Yeah, in terms of um, sort of in possession at his feet. I mean, he, don't get me wrong; he's not he's not an Edison or an Allison. He's I don't see him as a keeper who's going to be able to sort of start attacks with 40, 50 yards diagonal passes or or passes that will beat the press um he's competent enough with the ball at his feet and he's you know he's a professional footballer he's playing in the premier league he's more than capable of passing out to his full back and out to his center half but kicking is the one area or distribution is the one area that he struggled with pretty much since he came into burnley and there's been a few signs of improvement but he, he's just not a confident natural goal kicker um what he did show in the sort of last six weeks after Sean Dyche left, and, and there will be plenty of Burnley fans and, and probably fans of other clubs as well, who'll say, well, Sean Dyche wanted him to get it forward as quickly as possible. So that's what he was doing. And that is true. Um, but I haven't seen a huge amount of evidence to suggest that he would be able to be a sweeper keeper in a in a mould of an, an Allison or an Edison. Um, that's not to say he can't do a job at passing out from the back, because I think he can. It's just that next level, I think, is where we'll struggle with. But what he did do over the sort of last three or four weeks of the season was um, develop a, a sort of Peter Schmeichel-esque throw from uh, in possession sort of out wide to a, an attacking fullback or a, a wide midfield player. And that was another string to his bow that we'd seen next to nothing of during his time at Burnley. But obviously when Sean Dyche left and Burnley sort of adapted their style a little bit, he did uh, start to distribute um distribute with his throws as well so that's another sort of string to his bow but in terms of being a what you would perceive as a um a sweeper keeper uh, i can't see him fulfilling that role um confidently interesting there be very interesting to see if you know eddie howe puts an arm around him and, and builds up that confidence we've seen last season that eddie howe did that with quite a few players joe linton probably the one that stands out and now he is this kind of midfield enforcer that no one saw coming. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. if can work his magic in terms of that with, with Nick Pope. You mentioned there the, the kind of the levels. From, from a Newcastle point of view, you know, they're bringing in players like Sven Botman, Bruno Gomeresh, you know, top class players um, whose next level is probably the best you can get. I'm just wondering how you think Nick Pope will, will handle that because he's not just moving to a club where players are you know are on average level Newcastle are now targeting a totally different class of player and it's 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 not something that every player will be able to handle coming into it to a new club where that is happening yeah I think I think at the end of the day he's an England international he's been in the he's been in the England squad for best part of five years I think now he's used to um dealing with you know he'll know Kieran Trippier well from from England duty he'll obviously know Chris Wood well from from been at Burnley together, that'll help him in in the first instance, I'm sure. But he's a very likable fella. Um, I don't see him having any issue in terms of 
settling into a dressing room. And I don't see him being phased either. He's, um, he's, he's relatively laid back. And any time I've ever sort of spoken to him, he's, he's very good from a, from a journalist point of view. He'll always answer a question. He'll be quite thoughtful. And, and he doesn't take himself too seriously either. He's, um, he's always up for a sort of a little bit of a laugh and a joke. And um, I, I don't see being in a dressing room full of international players and players who perhaps tags in the Champions League as, uh, as anything that will worry him at all. And what about the attention as well that players get from Newcastle fans? You know, if you do go shopping in the city centre, I mean, Newcastle fan, you are more more than likely to get an approach for an autograph or, or a selfie. Is that slightly different to you know how it is it how it was at Burnley for him? Do you think he'll 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 handle that all right? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if he was to go around Burnley Town Centre shopping, he'd have got stopped for selfie after selfie and autograph after autograph. Um, I'm just not sure how much that happens these days. But in terms of the attention, at the end of the day, he's a goalkeeper who uh, they're always under the spotlight, are they? One mistake and the ball can be in the back of the net. So he'll be used to that sort of thing in terms of um, any error he makes being magnified and being highlighted because that's how life is as a goalkeeper, I think. So don't think that will bother him. I don't think playing in front of 60-odd thousand or whatever it is at St. James's, I don't think that will phase him either. I think he'll relish it. I think he mentioned it a couple of times in his interview with the club, actually, that he was sort of really, really excited about playing um, playing at that stadium and playing in front of those fans. Um, so, yeah, I don't see him be, being phased by that at all. Good to hear. And in terms of the relationship with, you know, obviously it was it was James Tarkovsky and Ben May that he had as a centre-back pair and quite often at Burnley. How does the dynamic, or how did the dynamic work at Burnley between the two centre backs and 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 the keeper? Does he rely heavily on his centre backs to kind of organise in front of him, or is he a man that will like to the point and push his defenders into position? And or is it kind of a, a 50-50 kind of partnership? Yeah, I mean, difficult one with Burnley having had the centre back parent that they had, Benley and, and Tarkovsky, as you say, who both were um, in the team before Pope. And both were very experienced and uh, sort of knew their jobs in inside out. I don't think they needed a huge amount of cajoling, if you like, and a huge amount of instruction as to where to be when. Um, but Popey will do that. As I said before, he is a organiser and a leader vocally on the pitch. Um, so if if things need to be addressed there, then they will be. He certainly is uh, command commands his box. He knows exactly what he wants there. If, if a high ball comes into the box, 99 times out of 100, he'll be coming to get it. And probably 98 times out of 100, he'll get it. Um, so he'll certainly make the defence sort of known as to how he likes to operate as a keeper and where he, you know, whether where he wants players defensively from set pieces and which balls he will consider to be his. And that might be a slight change because he, he is comfortable coming 12, 15 yards off his box to, to claim a you know, a free kick from a wide area or a corner. Um, but he'll have no trouble he'll have no trouble doing any organisation. But equally I don't think he will impose himself over centre halves who, you know, who have been there and done it at, at Newcastle for, for X number of seasons. Certainly interesting to see how Sven Botman and, and Nick Pope work together. We assume that they will be two of the, the first names on the team sheet in the new season. Um just the, the the price tag you know obviously it's, it's, it's reported here that i think you did actually tweet out your understanding of of how much newcastle united paid um just refresh us of of that yeah it's one of those isn't it where i think um newcastle 
probably like to say we did a little bit less and Bernie would like to say we did for a little bit more. Uh, I think around the 10 million mark seems to be about right. Um, it's nearer 12 is what I was told. Um, but as ever, the bane of a football reporter's life, it's gone in as undisclosed. Um, but either way, 8, 10 or 12, it, it's very good. Represents very good value for um, a goalkeeper who's probably got you know, at least four or five years, if not more, left at this level. He's only 30, I think, and he's only just 30 in in the last few months. So, um, excellent deal. I know there were some reports suggesting Bernie were going to sort of stick a 40 million price tag on him, but that was never going to happen. Um, goalkeepers, for whatever reason, don't tend to go for 20 million plus as a rule. Uh, generally speaking, I don't think there's been many Premier League goalkeepers who have been bought for that sort of money. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it, it's a huge bargain for Newcastle to have someone who conceivably could be their number one for four or five years and only pay ten. Yeah, I mean that was the point I was going to make was you know that it was a it was a bargain in a, in a half for Newcastle to get over the line. Um, were, were Burnley fans a little bit upset at the price tag? Do you think, or was it the realization that? He is a premiership goalkeeper and he's going to leave and we can't really hold, hold him to ransom. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think if you two months ago, um, they would have said we want 20 plus million for him. Uh, he was into the last year of his contract, but Burnley did have an option. So to all intents and purposes, he had two years left. But I think between um, player and club, there was a, a sort of understanding that if a if Premier League club came in for him in the summer uh, with Burnley being relegated, that they wouldn't stand in his way of, of doing that. He's given everything to Burnley since he's been here. Um, there's no animosity on that side of things. In an ideal world, would Burnley have wanted another five, 10 million? Yeah, of course they would. But you can only accept what is tabled. And there wasn't too many clubs in the market for a goalkeeper. Uh, obviously, Sam Johnston being available on a free, took up an option for... Uh, Crystal Palace so unless you get two clubs sort of desperately competing for the same player there's only so much you can go and I think Newcastle have been very astute in their business generally have not prepared to pay over the odds or what they see as over the odds so that to be a compromise somewhere and I think it's a reasonable enough price um, Burnley have already spent it pretty much and they've spent it addressing three or four areas of the squad so hopefully it can be one of those transfers that works out for, for both yeah, fingers crossed. I say many, many people very happy with the price tag and the arrival of Nick Pope. Alex, just to finish off then, if you can just sum up for our listeners what you think Newcastle United have got in Nick Pope and, and just how big of a deal it might be for, for both Pope and, and Newcastle. Yeah, he'll, um, he'll, he'll be an excellent goalkeeper. I think what he does is what you want a keeper to do, which is makes big saves in big moments, um, shot-stopping, is, he's right up there with amongst the best the best you'll see. He'll pull out a save or two that you just will think, how's he managed that? Um, he's, a, he's a sort of personality that I think the players and the supporters will side with a little bit. Um, yes, he can improve his kicking and his distribution. That might well come um, under a sort of different style at Newcastle with Eddie Howe as well. And uh, it'd be interesting to see if it does from a Burnley point of view, because we, we never really saw that for one reason or another. Um, but I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a huge success, and it it would really surprise me if he wasn't number one first choice come come the opening day of the season.